0: All right, Romans chapter 16. If you found that, why don't you stand and we'll read together God's Word. I'm going to start in Romans 16, verses 1 and 2. We're going to look at two verses that talk about one woman that points us to the Lord Jesus. Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Grass with us and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. Let's begin verse 1. Paul writes, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Syncria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Join me as we pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for what the song says, that we have confidence because of Christ we can make it. So, Lord, I pray you would strengthen your people today as we go into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. may be seated. We started our morning out talking about history, our church history, even our school history, but I'd like to take you a little further back in history. Early in the 4th century, Way back in history. Early in the 4th century, before he would become emperor, a man named Constantine was a general. And the evening before a great battle at the Milvian Bridge, he had a vision. At least that's what he said. And in that vision, he saw in the sky a cross burning like the sun and heard, you should fight under this, under this banner. So the next day, he had a cross emblazoned on all the shields of his soldiers and as providence would have it, he won that battle, became the emperor in Rome and for the very first time, in 313, persecution was over, the Edict of Milan. The very first time Christianity was legal. They headed back to the place called Byzantium. He changed the name from Byzantium to Constantinople. When you're the emperor, you can name cities after yourself. And so there in Constantinople would be the very capital of Christianity in the eastern part of the world. That Christianity needed some boundaries because you had heresies going here and there. And by 325, you have what would make us Orthodox, the Council of Nicaea with the Nicene Creed. Some of you know that creed and Constantine was the one that called that council. Constantinople would continue to grow, and so would the church, and they needed a preacher. Fifty years later, they came upon a man who was some kind of fiery preacher, a man named John. In fact, he was so good, they called him John the Golden Mouth. I wish somebody would call me Golden Mouth. I get Big Mouth, but never Golden Mouth. John the Golden Mouth, we know him as John Chrysostom, would would preach with such conviction and such piercing sermons. Sometimes his sermons were so piercing that the emperor would have him ejected from his church. Got to be careful how you preach to an emperor. His sermons were not only filled with great rhetoric, he was known for his straightforward Bible teaching, which was different from the other preachers in that day and time. Bishops in the 4th century normally would take the Bible and read it and then assume there's some kind of allegorical meaning. In other words, it can't mean what it says here, it has to mean something else and they could just make up what it, I mean, if you're going to preach an allegory, you can just make up what you want them to say, not, not John the Golden Mouth. John the Golden Mouth said, look, you need to read the Bible and preach the Bible And the plainest reading of the Bible is the surest reading of the Bible. He loved to preach the Bible, and especially the book of Romans. When he got to Romans 16, where we are this morning, he stopped at this chapter. And he spoke to the preachers that were under him. And he said, if you're going to preach this chapter, you need to slow down. Don't don't rush through it. Because it's a gold mine. And people who mine gold are careful about even the smallest fragments that they might find. We're going to take the next few weeks through November. We'll be done in November and just slowly go through some of what we see in chapter 16. A man named Paul who wrote this letter, and if you're just joining with us, a man named Paul wrote this letter called the book of Romans. He wrote it to a small church in a big city called Rome. He wrote from a place called Corinth. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, pauses in chapter 16 in two verses to highlight one woman whose name is Phoebe. Now, for those of you that watch a lot of TV, you're going to recognize that name Phoebe. You're going to think about the show Friends, so get it through your mind and be done with that for a moment. Because I'm going to say Phoebe about 50 times this morning. I don't want you thinking about that show while I'm preaching it. Phoebe. Phoebe is a woman that was never mentioned before. We don't hear anything about her. She'll never be mentioned again. Now, when you read verses 1 and 2 in chapter 16, at first glance, at least to me, when I read it the first time, I thought, what was I thinking that I could get a sermon out of verses 1 and 2? But after looking at it this week and spending some time with it, and we're closing down in the next couple of weeks as we're closing down the book of Romans, I think it's good for us to heed the Golden Mouth's advice. It's good for us to heed John Chrysostom's advice that we need to be careful and look at even the smallest fragments of gold found in this passage. And so this morning, what I want to do is what we normally do is just reach into the Bible, scoop into the Bible, And let's let's pull out this woman, Phoebe. What I want to do is just hold her up just for a little while and let's together look at this woman named Phoebe and see what we can learn about how we can better follow Christ by looking at her life. Here you have, and a woman named Phoebe, a genuine first century Christian. I want to put it like this about Christianity. We'll just put an umbrella over it. Genuine. It's too bad that you got to put a prefix on Christian because Christian really doesn't mean much anymore. So you need to put genuine there. A genuine Christian. Or you might say like this: genuine Christianity is grace in action. Genuine Christianity is grace. Put your faith in Christ. God has given us that grace. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, but it's grace that then leads to action. Let's see if we can't learn some things from Phoebe's life. There are a couple of things I want you to see. Here's the first first one. Number one, a genuine Christian. Are you a genuine Christian? A genuine Christian obviously loves the Lord. A genuine Christian. is somebody that you don't have to ask, do you love God? You see it in her life. Let's see what Paul does for us in verses 1 and 2. When you read it all together, you hear four titles that Paul gives Phoebe in verses 1 and 2. He calls her a sister. He calls her a saint. He calls her a servant. He calls her a patron. I don't want to deal with all four. At this point, I just want to deal with two of them. But before we get there, let's deal with her name Phoebe. Where does that name come from, Phoebe, in Greek literature and Greek mythology? The name Phoebe is a pretty common name. In fact, it's, it's used to describe the Greek god Apollos. You'll see him called Phoebe. Why? Because it means radiant, it means light, it means brightness. Oddly enough, when you go through the records, you'll find that this name, Phoebe, is found many times. In the lists of Greek slaves, it could be that Phoebe was a freed woman. She once was a slave and is now freed and has really made a great living for herself. We really don't know. Could have been that. We do know that she lived in a place called Syncria. We know that because Paul says that. She's a servant at the church at Syncria. Syncria was a port town close to Corinth. So think of how Mint Hill or Harrisburg is close to Charlotte. That would be Sincrea to Corinth. She lived there as a woman that was saved, maybe out of slavery. Who knows what her former life would be. Now what I found interesting was that she didn't change her name. I say that because when Saul was saved on the road to Damascus, a lot of people think, well, God changed his name on the road to Damascus from Saul to Paul. Go back and read the story. That's not what happened. He was saved, and over the course of time, his, he changed his name probably to Paulos to make it more Greek. Why didn't she? I think that Phoebe kept her name as part of a reminder of the redemption of Christ, what he does with the lowest and least of people, what he does with the worst of sinners, with those that might would be forgotten, what Christ does for sinners and for the lost. Paul does give her two two titles that I think go together. The first one is down in verse 2. I'll start there and work backwards. It's the word saint. You might see it down in verse 2 where he says, you ought to give her the respect worthy of a saint. What a great thing for the Apostle Paul to say about someone. That word, saint, is nothing more than a common word for being a Christian. She's living her life for Christ. She's doing it in this town. We don't even know where it is. And she's serving in a church. And Paul says she is a saint. She is worthy of the kind of respect that you're going to give other Christians. You need to give that kind of respect to this woman named Phoebe. That's not the only thing it calls her. You'll notice in verse 1, That Paul calls her a sister. Let's go there and look at it in verse 1. Paul writes, I commend to you our sister, Phoebe. He doesn't say to the church, she's going to be your sister. He doesn't say to the church, she's my sister. He says, there is a fellowship. She is our sister. It's interesting that Paul would dignify this woman we've never heard of before. We won't ever hear from her again that he would dignify this woman to such a degree to not just call her my sister, but our sister. He's putting that on the church at Rome. You're going to have to treat her just like an equal. No small thing. It's no small thing to be called a sister of the Apostle Paul. In fact, if you'll reflect on your own life just for a moment, reach back through the eons of time and there Paul stands. Whatever blood of Christ it took to save Paul is the same blood that saves you. It is what makes us family and you are a brother or sister to Paul. Not only that, Paul uses this terminology in other parts when he writes more of the Bible. He writes a letter to Timothy, writes two of them. Timothy's a young preacher. He's asked Paul, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here with the church. Can you give me some help? And so Paul gives him some instructions on how to run a church, how to treat people. And in 1 Timothy, he writes a little bit about what you do and how you treat women in the church. So when he talks about older women, how do you treat older women in the church? By the way, you're going to have to be the one to put yourself in whatever category, older or younger. I won't put you there. Paul says, when you come up on an older woman, here's how you treat her. You treat older women like your mother. Whatever respect that you have for your mother, you take that and you use that respect and you treat that older woman with the same respect that you give your mother. He also has a way to talk about what it looks like to treat younger women in the church as the pastor and as a man in the church. How do you treat younger women? Paul says, when you are interacting with a younger woman in the church, you treat her as a sister. This is what he says about Phoebe. A sister, and you treat her with great purity. Bring that back here. We can maybe envision Phoebe as a successful young woman. Paul says, treat her like a sister. If we take what he says to Timothy, treat her with great purity. It's interesting to me that this gives you some idea of who this woman is and the impact she's had on the church at Syncrete. Some idea of this unnamed, previously unknown woman. That there's something about her character that made it obvious to anyone around her that she actually did love the Lord. So I wonder, as I thought about Phoebe, and trying to think of a way to apply that to our lives today, What is the first characteristic that people recognize about you? Or if we were to take everything away, and the corona has tried to do that, but if we were to take everything away and go to nothing but your social media, for those of you that are on social media, what is it that your social media presence says about you? Is it obvious? Because that's some people, that's all they know of you. Is it obvious that you love the Lord? What is the first characteristic if, if someone meets you in person and they experience you in your presence just for a little bit, the things you say, maybe the habits that you have? Is it obvious that you love the Lord? By your appearance, by your words, by your actions, by how you treat your family. Let me ask you this. Would anyone, here's a good question, after having been in your presence for 10, 15, for half an hour, would anyone be surprised to find out that you are a Christian? Not so with Phoebe. Genuine, genuine Christians obviously love the Lord. Let me give you something else you might find in Phoebe's life, number two, about a genuine Christian. Number two, a genuine Christian not only loves the Lord, a genuine Christian really loves the mission. The mission. Not just God, but the mission. Let me show you where I get that. By the way, you might even say that this genuine woman, uh, this genuine Christian woman, really even loved the Christian challenge. Let me show you where I see it. You see it in verse 1, where uh, Paul says to the church at Rome, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. So, so as a preacher, you start asking questions. Why does he, Paul, feel the need to commend Phoebe to this church at Rome? Why is he saying not just that she's our sister, but that she is commended? That word commend is like uh, she has my stamp of approval. It's like what you do if you have a resume. You're trying to get a job and you put all the people that love you on your resume. So they're going to say nice things about you. Paul is on Phoebe's resume and he's saying, look, you, you sh- I commend She's great. If he, if he were on a resume, he'd be saying, You need to hire this woman. Why is he commending Phoebe to Rome? Well, if you read verse, if you read chapter 16, and I hope you will, is name after name after name, almost 30 of them in there. And almost everybody mentioned in chapter 16 is already in Rome. Phoebe is living in Sincreia. She's living back in Corinth where Paul is. She's getting ready to travel to Rome. Now remember Paul, when all his traveling, the shipwrecks and the trouble he got into, that's why I say she's really brave and willing to take a risk. She's getting ready to go to Rome. Paul is finishing up what he's been writing. He folds that letter up and he puts it in Phoebe's hand. Almost everybody agrees. She's the one that carried the letter to the church at Rome. She's going to carry this letter, the book of Romans. One old old preacher said that um, never was there a greater burden carried by such tender hands in all of history. This woman, Phoebe, would travel the 600 plus miles on foot, on a boat, who knows how she got there, from Corinth to Rome. I mean, just think about it now. Think about the responsibility. She didn't know that, I mean, for her it's a letter. She didn't know the impact of what that one letter and her faithfulness and bravery would do for the rest of Christian history. What was in that letter? Packed in the book of Romans in that letter is, is the theological history of the Christian church. There in the book of Romans would become the ground that John Chrysostom stood on to preach salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. There in the book of Romans would be the power that would change a man named Augustine as he walked through the garden and heard the voice say, take up and read, totally leggy. He looks down and there's the book of Romans and Augustine is radically saved and shapes the early church theology. The book of Romans The book of Romans would lie dormant for a while until a German monk is reading and praying and thinking and being challenged by Romans, and he's awakened in the 15th century. We celebrated it yesterday. He's awakened to believe that the just are saved by faith. We are justified by faith and not these works. He would nail it on the church door at Wittenberg and start the Protestant Reformation because of the book of Romans. 200 years later, off the continent, across the channel in England, there would be a depressed Anglican priest, a young missionary named John Wesley. He and his brothers would start the Methodist Church. They tried to do it with a bunch of Indians over in America. It didn't work out. They came back to England and were depressed. They showed up at Aldersgate, a place called Aldersgate. Went to a meeting just to hear a lecture, as they often did, and there at this lecture, the man started reading, now listen to this, started reading a commentary written by Martin Luther on the book of Romans. And as he read the introduction to the book of Romans, John Wesley said, I did feel that my heart was strangely warmed. And he was converted to the book of Romans. If we didn't have the book of Romans and if Phoebe didn't make it, How would we know the Roman road? How would we know that the wages of sin is death? How would we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? How would we know that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us? How would we know that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that you'll be saved, that that whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? So much packed into this book. If Phoebe didn't make it to Rome, carrying that letter, we've been through 10 months of of really hard times. Without Romans, we wouldn't know that for those that love God, all things work together for good. Paul wrote this letter, folded it up, put it in her hands. She took the mission And that one woman that we'll never hear of again, she could never know the profound effect of her one act of faithfulness. She could never know what kind of impact she would have on us almost 2,000 years later. She never mentioned again one act of brave, brave faithfulness. I wonder, I wonder if you underestimate your contribution to the mission of the church. I wonder what you might be doing right now as a faithful man or woman of God that is part of what God is using to keep the faith alive in Charlotte, North Carolina. I wonder what kind of quiet, determined faithfulness of a strong woman or a strong man that loves Jesus that God is going to use at Hickory Grove. You see, a genuine Christian a genuine Christian loves the Lord. A genuine Christian loves the mission. Let me give you a third one to think through. Number three, a genuine Christian loves to serve, serve. Let's go there in verse one. You'll find the big word that Paul uses to describe her right there in verse one. Paul writes, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Synchria. Look how he described Phoebe, a servant of the church, it's in Korea. That word servant, it's where uh, it comes from the Greek word diakonos, is where we will eventually get the word deacon. It means that she was active there and serving. Most believe, as I've read about Phoebe, most people believe that Phoebe was fairly well to do. That is to say, she had plenty of money, probably made it as a successful businesswoman, and yet even though she's kind of climbed this pretty difficult ladder in the Greek world, she's still willing to be called a servant in her church. Synchria. Now, that word diakonos, it is where we get the word deacon, and some people want to say that that Phoebe was a deacon. I think you are reading backwards. The office of deacon would show up years later. I think what Paul is simply saying is that here is this faithful, strong, confident, hardworking, smart, committed woman that is a member of this church and serving the church. She's financially well off. She might even be rich, but she's given herself and she's proving herself by serving at the church. That seems to be the major point that Paul is commending her for. Not that she's rich, not that she is a great businesswoman, not that she is uh, savvy in details, Is that she has given herself to helping the church in a real, tangible, discernible way? That she's come to this church at Synchrea in Corinth, and she didn't come to the church and say, I wonder what this church can do for me or what am I getting out of being a member of that church. Instead, Of being a consumer she decided to be on mission and says how can I actually serve that's the word how can I serve the church so the question is for you do you love your church if you're a member of Hickory Grove you've joined this church and part of the body of believers here do you love the church that God has brought you to If so, how are you personally serving the Lord at church? All all of us here, those of you that have been growing in the Lord, we find a way not just to be in church and worship, and it's vital, but find a way to actually serve the mission of the church. I wonder so often, why is it hard? Why, why, Why is it hard to serve the church? Let me ask you another question. What what kind of mission are you actually part of at the church? When, When we look at this woman named Phoebe, we see a genuine Christian that genuine Christians love to serve. Let me give you a fourth thing to think about when you look at Phoebe's life. Number four, a genuine Christian needs friends. It's right down there in verse 2. Look down in verse 2. Look at the two directives. Paul's going to give two instructions to the church at Rome about this woman that's traveling from Corinth all all the way to Rome. Look what he says in verse 2. Paul writes, That you may welcome her, I've commended her, that you may welcome her, that's one, in the Lord, in a way worthy of the saints. Here comes the second thing he tells them to do. And help her in whatever way she may need from you. Let's talk about what it means to welcome. Paul says, welcome her in the Lord. That word welcome means more than it does to you and I. It has sort of lost its punch in the church world. We'll put out on the sign, everyone is welcome. That is some sort of weird passive way that really says nothing. Everyone welcome. You're all, or you might say this, you're always welcome. That's not what Paul is saying here. That's passive. Paul is saying be active. I want you to go and get her, and I want her to feel like she's part of the body from the very moment that she, walks into that, that she walks into that church. Your Bible might even say, receive her. It's the same word that Luke will use. I'm reading through Luke right now in my devotional life, and yesterday morning I got to Luke chapter 15, there in Luke 15, he tells us, Luke does, that Jesus sat and ate with sinners and received them to himself. Take that word, bring it over here. And Paul says, when she comes, you receive her. It's the idea of bringing her into the fellowship. Some of you sitting right here know how hard it is to feel like you are actually part of a church. I mean, think about this situation just for a moment. It could be really awkward. Here is this Greek woman carrying a letter written by a Jewish man that is written to a Roman church. There are all kinds of ways this could go poorly. And so Paul writes here, when she gets there, you bring her into the body. And, and notice what he says, you welcome her in the Lord. In other words, you might not have any common interest. You might not have, have things that make you want to do things together. You might not binge watch the same shows on Netflix that hold you together. Paul said, None of that matters. You welcome her. How? In the Lord. That is, the crucified, risen, reigning Lord Jesus is Lord over the two of you, and the reigning Lord Jesus is enough to hold even the most opposite people, even the most opposite of us, together. Something else down there in verse 2. Something else we want to mine out a little bit that speaks about Christian fellowship, you'll see it probably already, has to do with the word help. Let me show it to you, verse 2. That you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. Help her. That is an interesting word. It's worth circling and thinking about. It's the Greek word peristomai. It means to stand beside or to stand by to stand next to someone especially when she is alone or in trouble to stand beside him this is the word this is the word that Paul used when he wrote to Timothy in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 we go read the chapter sometime Second Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy and it's one of those times we get a snapshot of his soul and how he's been hurt and Paul says, everybody has abandoned me. There, there's a man named Alexander the coppersmith and he did me a whole lot of harm. He, even heroes get damaged. Paul says, he hurt me pretty bad. Paul says, I feel alone. Everyone has abandoned me. There's no one to stand beside me. And here comes this word, peristemi. But Paul says in that chapter, verse 17, but the Lord stood by me, paristhema, that's that word. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Now take that word, bring it over here, right here. Paul says to uh, the church at Rome, when Phoebe gets there, help her. Go stand next to her. Because although she's strong and confident, it looks like she's got her act together, every Christian at some time or another needs somebody another brother or sister to get up there and stand with them to help. You get so busy sometimes or preoccupied or or driven by a task that you miss the chance to stand and help. Don't assume that just because somebody seems confident, don't assume that just because somebody seems capable or, or, or like she has it all together, that she doesn't need somebody just for a moment to come over there and stand. So let me ask you a question with that in mind. Who are you intentionally helping? Outside of your little uh, group, your tribe. we all got a tribe, right? I'm talking about outside of that. Who are you? Because Phoebe was a stranger. Who have you, in the the last, let's just say six months, who have you befriended to such a degree in the last six months that you have stood by that person? You you see, a genuine Christian, we certainly want to Obviously love the Lord, a genuine Christian will love the mission, a genuine Christian will serve the church, but a genuine Christian needs real friends. Let me just ask you to take one last look at Phoebe. It's odd to end on this topic, but that's how Paul does it, and so we will. Number five, a genuine Christian loves to give. Do you see her there? It's at the end of verse 2, how he describes Phoebe. Look at the very last thing Paul says about this woman named Phoebe down in verse 2. That she has been, do you see it in verse 2? That she has been a patron of many. Patron is nothing more than financially supporting someone, protecting them by making sure they have enough money. And Paul says, that's what this rich woman has done. She's been a patron of many And also of me. This woman coming into your church, she's successful. She has enough money, not just to support my ministry. She's been supporting ministry all over the place in Corinth. God has used her. That, That she made supporting the gospel mission part of what she gives herself to. She gave what she had and evidently she had a whole lot life of one, isn't it good that Paul did this for us, the life of one faithful woman held up in front of us, held up before us to encourage us to live our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning as we close together, and I think now is a good time to do that, I'd like just to ask you a few questions. As I do, let me invite you to bow your heads as if you are ready to pray. But before we pray, let me ask a couple of questions. Here's the first one. Think think about it with me. How obvious is it? How obvious is it that you are changed? That you really do love Christ above all? Do people know that after being in your presence? Do people know that when they see what you post, if they go and look at your presence on social media? How obvious is that? When it comes to the church, are you just coming to the church or do you actually love the mission of the church? Do you love the church, the church of Christ, the body of Christ at Hickory Grove, this woman, Phoebe, was a member of a local church. She was at the church in Sincrea. Paul says. is one specific place. Here at your church, let me ask you this. What next thing do you need to step into? Sort of been where you are for some time now. It's, it's time for you to step into another level of serving Christ at your church. How are How are you serving? And if you're not, are you willing this week to start taking the steps to start serving Jesus at the church at Hickory Grove? Have you actively become a friend? Here's another question. Have you actively become a friend of someone that needs a friend, even if it doesn't seem like she does? Have you welcomed someone here at Hickory Grove, Welcome them in the Lord? Who this week or this month have you gone to stand by? Somebody's needed it and you were there. Who have you stood by? Who have you helped? I'll end with this. Of all the places, of all the places that your money goes, is the church a major recipient of your giving? You know, you you find out a lot about a person if you were to happen to see where or her money goes. God has given us this, this woman to see grace in action. We are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, and that salvation puts us into action. As I close today, I pray that the Lord will use this sermon to press your heart into serving Christ. John, lead us to sing and then we'll we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for your word that is good. Thank you for time to think about your word. Thank you for the example of this woman, Phoebe, that points us deeper into a love for Christ. And We pray that you might be honored at Hickory Grove. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.